I'm going to lose my suit coat right away. And I woke up a sweat over there singing and uh, carrying on like a crazy man. So appreciate that. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. We did survive Chaz and other things that uh, uh, out in Seattle today. Appreciate that. Appreciate the pastor taking me there. And a lot of good stuff. We, we, uh, I'm, I'm known as a food connoisseur. And uh, I'm not as good as a chef as the pastor is, but I can definitely eat as good as he can eat. But uh, we appreciate him. We took some good places, got some, even some hot honey today. And so I tried some hot sauces out and ate some good food and good fellowship. And I love talking to preachers. You get to learn a lot about them, and they get to learn a lot about you. And uh, he learned a lot about me, and he still let me preach tonight, so that's good. And so I'm so excited about uh, preaching to you. I am going to preach on prayer tonight. I don't typically do that. Uh, on a Monday night, and um, but I felt like that's the Lord wants me to do, and so I always mind the Lord and whatever He wants me to do. Normally, I'd preach on sin or on the wretchedness of the church tonight, and I don't have a set group of messages. There's not like okay, every Monday night I preach on this, every Tuesday I preach on this, but I don't typically preach on uh, a message like this on a Monday night here. But I'm going to go there tonight. Uh, Luke chapter number eleven. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's word, we'll stretch our legs tonight. And I promise you, I will talk fast. You're going to have to listen fast tonight. Again, I'm trying to be mindful. I know those of you, some of you have worked. Some of you may even work tonight. And I try to be mindful of that. And, uh, but I want to preach exactly what the Lord has for us. I may only get through part of this message. That's not untypical for me. So if I don't, normally on a Sunday, I split my message right in half. And I still preach two hours with it. So um, we'll, we'll, if we got to split it up, we'll split it up tonight. Uh, but I want to talk to you about a little phrase that the disciples said to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you were here Sunday morning, Sunday night, you saw me do something that I've never done other than one other time, and that's preach on the cross Sunday morning and on Sunday night. And uh, I will not do that tonight, but I thought about preaching a whole revival on the cross one time. And uh, I, I've thought about preaching a revival once on, is it real? And I wanted to preach on um, uh, uh, when hell becomes real. When heaven becomes real, when sin becomes real, and uh, when God becomes real. And maybe I'll do that someday, but I haven't yet, but I've been talking about it for a lot of years. But uh, I, will, I will one day preach on those subjects. But uh, I, again, I appreciate your patience tonight, and uh, you listen fast. I will talk fast, okay? And we'll see what God does. Do you believe tonight prayer is just as big as God is? Yeah. It's just as strong as God is strong. What a wonderful privilege. Our, our trio back home, I used to sing with a, with a trio with our current music director who took my job when I went into evangelism, and uh, I was his music teacher, and then my music teacher in high school, uh, Miss Becky, we all sang together in a trio, and uh, we sang, thank God for the privilege of prayer. We can talk to our Father who cares, take our means to the throne, we have a means to the throne, uh, and uh, boy, we can thank God, thank God, thank God. I love that second verse, by the way, we have been given a means to the throne of the one whose potential is yet to be known. Let's get in, because I'm going to start preaching right now. We better get into the message. Luke chapter number 11, the Bible says, And it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain... He is who? Jesus. Was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, say this phrase with me, Teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend who shall go unto him in the midnight, and say unto that him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine is in his journey has come to me, and, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall say, trouble me not. And he goes into this, and that's not part of the message really directly tonight. We'll talk about it a little bit. But he, he says, what is your friend going to say? I can't arise. And he said, I say unto you, verse 8, though he I may not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity. Uh, can I put it this way? He just wouldn't leave him alone. And he asked, and he asked, and he asked, and he asked, and he, he never left him alone about it. He said, he's not even giving it to him because it's his friend anymore. He's giving it to him to shut him up. <laughs> he 
The Bible says, goes on to talk about, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given unto you, verse 9. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receive, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. He goes on and talks about a son asking you for bread, and you give him a stone or a fish, and you give him a scorpion, and, and, or an egg, you offer him a scorpion. And verse 13, he says this, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? This entire chapter deals with praying and prayer. I want to draw our attention back, though, up to verse number one. Lord, teach us to pray. Now, could you imagine with him, me, for a moment? They had seen Jesus do a lot of things. They had, they had seen Jesus open blinded eyes. And yet they never said, teach us how to do that, as far as we know. They had seen Jesus heal a man with a withered hand. They had seen Jesus raise dead people. They saw him deal with the demon possessed. They saw Jesus cast out unclean spirits. They saw Jesus turn water into wine. They saw the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke the deaf and dumb spirit off of man. They saw Jesus heal a man without even going to his house. They saw Jesus heal another man on the Sabbath and the Pharisees were upset about it. They saw Jesus when they sought to stone him disappear out of the crowd they saw Jesus take two fishes and five loaves of bread and feed a multitude of people on two different occasions and they saw him do all of this but there was something about when he prayed that they said you got to teach us how to do that you got to show us how to pray the help of God tonight, I want to preach to you on those three words. Teach us four words. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness tonight. And Lord, I know that I stand where the arm of flesh will indeed fail me. It has time and time again failed me. And Lord, I pray that you would fill me right now from the top of my head to the sole of my feet with the blessed Holy Ghost. Empty me of self. And Lord, I sure I sure don't deserve to stand here and preach tonight the unsearchable riches of God. But Lord, I pray tonight that you would just take me and use this simple servant. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not eloquent enough uh, to display this truth that I desire to preach tonight. But Lord, I believe that you are powerful enough. You are strong enough. And you are worthy enough to preach it for tonight. And so I pray tonight, God, that you would fill me and use me in the lives of these dear people. No doubt everybody in this room has prayed at some time or another. No doubt all of us have bowed our heads, whether it be before a meal or before a surgery or before a test if we've ever had school before, and we have prayed to your throne. But Lord, how many of us have ever stopped and asked you to teach us how to pray? We're asking you tonight, God, to give us a glimpse of prayer. And we'll thank you for anything that you do. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Years ago, I read a book by Leonard Ravenhill, Why Revival Tarries. And the truth is, I read this book, and I had to, it took me about two or three months to get through the book because I would read a little bitty passage of it, and I would be under such heavy conviction that I'd have to stop reading and to get on my face before God. And I couldn't believe, and there was a heavy emphasis on this book on prayer. And I couldn't believe uh, uh, how uh, anemic my own personal prayer life was at the, at the time and how God had been challenging me on this matter of prayer. He said in this book, he made the statement that made an impact upon my life. He said, the pastor who is not praying is playing, and the church who is not praying is straying. Uh, Paul Bilheimer said this, he said, Satan does not care about how many people read about prayer if he can only keep them from praying. 
Charles Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers, the great Charles Spurgeon, we still read his devotionals today. As a matter of fact, I have in my library his letters to his students, and we talk about Spurgeon uh, hundreds of years later after his death. We are still reading his evening and morning devotions, and we glean wisdom from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and he is known often as the Prince of Preachers. And yet the Prince of Preachers said this, I would rather teach one man how to pray than teach 10 men how to preach. Raven Hill went on to say this. He said, the pulpit can be a shop window to display our talents, but the prayer closet speaks death to display. He said, the prayer closet allows no showing off. Heard a statement one time when somebody was preaching. They said this. They said, no man is bigger than his prayer life. If that were said of you tonight, if that were a moniker above your head tonight, that no man or lady is bigger than their prayer life, how small would you really be? William Cowper said, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on their knees. Andrew Murray made this statement. He said, the man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelism in history. Ravenhill went on to say, prayer is the real work. Evangelism is just mopping up afterwards. Further in the book, as I began to read, he said, we cannot expect big results from our small praying. I believe tonight one of my missions, one of my directives from the Lord as a part of my ministries is to get God's people to start asking God for God stuff again. Say, Brother Allen, what do you mean? I mean, most of us pray things like this, oh God, help me to wake up on time in the morning. No, that's called set your watch, set your alarm. I don't need the God of heaven to do that. I can do that for myself. But guess what I cannot do? I cannot save a soul. I cannot build a church. I cannot break the stony hearts. I cannot save the lost. I cannot draw the backslider back in. We need to start asking God again to begin to do God stuff. We cannot have big results from our small prayers. I had a preacher friend of mine. He went out to eat with a man, and uh, it was a pretty fancy restaurant, and I think it was called McDonald's, but uh, I'm sorry, McDonald's. And uh, he went out to eat with him, and it was, it was a steak joint, and it, had, but it was one of those places where they don't even have the prices on the menus. You know what I'm talking about? Those are kind of places you walk in, and they've got a pulpit right there waiting for you with somebody with a rock and roll microphone on right there. And he sat down in this place, and, and his friend said, listen, preacher, he said, I'm buying tonight. He was a businessman. He said, preacher, don't worry about it. He said, I'm buying tonight. You just order what you want to order. He saw a nice big old porterhouse steak on that, on that thing there. But he thought in his mind, he said, I know that's expensive. And he began to go back and forth, and he, the waitress came back, and she said, sir, would you like to order? He said, well, I, I, I do want to order it. He, sa- he said, I'd like a porterhouse, but, but I mean, how much is that? And his friend said, what did you just say? He said, bring him two. You know what happened? He insulted his friend. He gave him the invitation, and he said, get what you want to get. The bill is on me. Get what you want to get. And he's worried about the price. And I'm telling you tonight, we got a bunch of God's people sitting around in churches everywhere. Jesus already paid the price for your answers to prayer. And we sit here, and we ask God for the most minuscule little prayers. If, let me ask you this, if God answered what you're praying for right now, would it be an earth-moving prayer request, or would it be something that a little kid can do for you? What kind of prayers are you praying? What kind of God stuff are you praying for right now? Can I say to you, there's things going on in this country right now. We're not going to vote our way out of it. We're going to have to pray our way out of it. I believe in voting. I have voted in every major election. 
in my adult life. Since I've turned 18, I have voted in every presidential election uh, since 2000. Uh, I think it was the year 2000. I have voted for every election since then. I turned 18 in 1999. I have voted for every major election. I have voted for every Senate election. I have voted for every con congressional election. I even voted against uh, legalizing marijuana in, in the state of Wisconsin. And uh, I still smoke some on the side. But anyways, uh, but I voted against it. Do as I say, not as I do. But uh, I voted against it. Listen, I believe in voting. But you understand this tonight. You can vote for whoever you want to work for. And guess what? You may get a little bit more money in your pocket. You may get a little more freedom. But I'm going to tell you this. There's some God things that we need done in America that we're not going to vote our way out of this thing. You can legalize abortion all you want. It's not going to stop fornication. We need God. We need to start asking God to do God stuff again. You can pray all you want to, but guess what? There's some things coming down the turnpike. There's some things going on. And listen, you're, you understand this in your state right now. Listen, you're not, your state isn't going to vote its way into conservative Christians. It's going to take God's people with the help of God and answers to prayer. You believe God still can do God stuff? Listen, I'm for voting. I'm for, listen, getting every Second Amendment you can get. I'm for, listen, lowering my taxes. I'm for allowing businesses to do what they need to do. I'm for uh, unity of spirit in our nation. But I'm going to tell you right now, isn't it amazing? At the founding of our nation, they understood this thing of prayer. I think it was George Washington, that famous picture of George Washington kneeling in the snow at Valley Forge when his soldiers were discouraged, when his food was running out, when his soldiers were in the same lice-infested uniform for months at a time, when they weren't even, didn't have enough money to even fund the Continental Armies, uh, and George Washington fell on his knees in the snow, and he said, oh God, we need you, and I'll tell you what we need today, not necessarily more conservatives, not more liberals, uh, we need a group of God's people falling on their knees again, saying, oh God, we need you again in our nation. I think it was Benjamin Franklin at the First or Second Continental Congress, and they couldn't get along with each other, and everybody's fighting, and they're bickering, and everything's going on, and everything was falling out, uh, and Virginia was about to secede uh, from the uh, Confederacy, and, and listen, and they were all about to go on, and all of a sudden, Benjamin Franklin, who people thought was a deist, uh, he stood up and said, man, uh, he said, we have been fighting with each other, and he said, we have failed to do the one thing that is important, and that is to invoke the holy name of God who governs our affairs. What would it be like today if some senator, some congressman, some president stood up and said, listen, we've got it all wrong. We've got to get back on our knees again. And then amazing, in your Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson said these words. He said, we hold these truths uh, to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed with their creator with certain inalienable rights. And he acknowledged the creator in that. But here's what they said. With firm reliance upon divine providence. Do you understand what that means? That means we need God to do God's stuff. With firm reliance upon divine providence, we mutually pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They were asking God to do God stuff. National Day of Prayer, because we need God to do God's stuff. You remember like I do, September 12th. Some of you kids are so young right now, it's hard to believe that the kids that are 20 years and younger, 9-11's been more than uh, uh, 20 years now. It's unbelievable to think about this. And I remember, I was in Bible college at the time, and I remember those planes going to that building, I remember watching that, and I remember the shock and the horror that was going on in our hearts, and we didn't understand everything that was going on. And I remember that next day, all Washington came out on the steps of the Capitol, didn't they? And here's what they all did. They sang, God bless America, land that I love. And they declared a national day and days of prayer. Yet that same crowd literally voted God off of their political platform less than a decade later. That same crowd cheered when New York City said, you can kill your baby even after death. That same crowd. We've lost our attitude of 
prayer. What if God's people start asking God to do God's stuff again? Somebody made this statement. They said, a daily glimpse at the Holy One of Israel should find us subdued by His omnipresence, staggered by His omnipotence, silenced by His omniscience, and solemnized by His holiness. We need prayer. How important is prayer, Brother Allen? Prayer is so important that in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 38, that the Lord Jesus said this, Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. He said the same thing in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 2. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Let me ask you this. If you really believe that verse, when was the last time you prayed for laborers to enter into the harvest? The preacher and I have many times on this trip just discussed about the lack of churches in the city of Seattle. There's one here and there's one there and there's one outside of the city. And here's what we do. We complain about it. And we complain about, we're joking about Chaz or Chap or whatever the thing's called now. And uh, 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 we, we're, we're mocking that thing. And we talk about the tents over here. We talk about this going there. And we talk about how wicked the city. But I wonder tonight how many people in this state, in this church, in this service tonight have specifically prayed for God to send forth laborers into his harvest. We've whined, we've complained, we've logicked it away, we've discouraged people, we talked about how hard it is, but how many of us have truly prayed that God would send forth laborers into his harvest? We in Wisconsin, we talk about how wicked the city of Madison is. Matter of fact, we, have, we refer to it as the People's Republic of Madison. But I guarantee you tonight, if I took a poll, I, I, I don't know if I'd find five Baptist preachers that are praying for a church to be started or more laborers to go to Madison, Wisconsin. Because it's easier to whine and complain than it is to have a prayer life. Thank you for listening so well. How important is prayer, Brother Allen? Prayer is so important that in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 21, when he was trying to break the power of demonic spirits, he said it's prayer that's going to get the job done. But Alan, you don't understand what I'm facing in my life. I'm facing the attack of devil. Well, listen, get off the phone with your friend. Uh, get off the gossip line. Uh, get off the psychotherapy's couch and get down on your knees and pray. How important is prayer? In Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 4, Jesus said this. My house shall be called a house of When the truth is tonight, if that statement was put above most churches, it would be a lie. Because we do everything but pray in the house of God. But Jesus Christ said, if I'm going to be known, we know his disciples. He said, this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one toward another. That's the moniker of a disciple. But he said, when it comes to my house, when it comes to my church, if there's one thing I want my church to be known for, if there's one moniker, it's not Baptist, it's not Catholic, it's not Episcopalian, it's not uh, people of any other title. He said, I want it to be known as a house of truth is tonight in most churches the prayer meeting night is the red-headed stepchild of the church no offense to red-headed stepchildren we treat prayer like it's a plague I wonder how many of you tonight would have come if we just say we're just going to have a revival of prayer we're not going to sing we're not going to preach we're not going to have a special we're just going to get on our face before God I wonder how many of us would show up, including me. But he said, if there's one thing I want my people to be known for, it's got to be prayer. I appreciate that at the beginning of the service, taking that time to pray. I wonder how many of you prayed even this morning. Said, oh, God, we need to hear from you. I have talked to dozens and dozens and dozens of pastors, and I'm going to tell you, there is a difference. When I go into a meeting and that meeting has been prayed for, there is a vast difference. God said, you want answers? Is this a house of prayer, isn't it? Is this just a house of worship? Is this a house of preaching? Is this a house of service? Is it a house of potluck dinners? 
They said, my house is supposed to be called a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of thieves. What's your attitude tonight? When the prayer meeting is called, when men's prayer meeting is called, do you show up? When ladies' prayer meeting is called, we have a ladies' prayer meeting once a month at our church. Meet in different locations, sometimes at a coffee house here, sometimes at the church building. Do you show up? How important is prayer, Brother Allen? Prayer is so important and it's so big. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, pray that ye enter not into temptation. I wonder how many of us have ever prayed that prayer. We often pray, God, get me out of this. I wonder how many of us have spent the time to say, God, don't let me get in it. But he told you to pray that ye enter not into temptation. And by the way, shortly before and after this, he told the disciples, he, they got so backslidden to the point where they just fell asleep. And he said, could you not pray with me one hour? Yeah, most of us, we say, well, sure, I, I, I believe in prayer. You ever prayed that? Jesus said prayer is so powerful. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 53, he said it's so powerful. Jesus said, I could pray right now. Don't miss this. I could pray right now, and 12 legion of angel would show up right now. You remember that old song, he could have called 10,000 angels? That's not exactly accurate. He didn't say he could call 10,000 angels. That's in your songbook right there. I believe it is because we got the same songbook. Listen, and I, he could have called 10,000, but there's a whole lot more 10,000 and 12 legion. Folks, a, a, a legion, Roman legion, has 6,000 soldiers in it. Jesus said, I could pray right now, and 72,000 angels would show up. Folks, one angel killed, what, 158,000? What do you think 72,000 angels could do? Those angels, those angels would have killed everybody on the earth, I believe, at that time. And Jesus said, all I got to do is speak the word. And yet I wonder how many heavenly forces that you and I keep back by our lack of prayer. He said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth a little, much. How important is prayer? Prayer is so important that Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, in our passage even here today, that if you want the Spirit, if you want the Holy Spirit power of God in your life, it's going to come not through your books, not through your eloquent abilities. It's going to come through prayer. Prayer was so important that in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, after they had prayed, the place was shaken. I wonder why there's no shaking going on in our lives today. Maybe it's by our lack of prayer. Say, Brother Allen, I need my job shook up. I need my family shook up. I've got some grandkids and some sons and some daughters that we need to shaken up. Have you taken them to the throne of God in prayer? Prayer is so important that Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 9, he said, pray that we are filled with the knowledge of God's will. I'm going to tell you, I get, I get so weary sometimes. I preach a lot of youth conferences. You can tell because I act like they do, amen. And uh, I preach a lot of youth conferences, preacher, and I got young people all the time. How do you know the will of God? How do you know the will of God? How can I know the will of God? How can I? Listen, those are some great questions. But the Bible says this, we ought to pray that we be filled with the knowledge of his will. You know what they want? They want me to rub a crystal ball somewhere. They want me to get some tea leaves in a hat somewhere, an offering plate, and tell them what their future is going to be. But I'm going to tell you, you want to know the will of God for your life? Get down on your knees and pray that God will fill you with the knowledge of his will. Prayer is so important. This, he said, listen, we ought to pray that the word of God will have free course in people's hearts. Hey, Sunday school teacher, you ever prayed that one? Hey, preachers, and I know there's some men over here that may be called to preach and share the word of God with others in different capacities somewhere. When was the last time you prayed and said, Dear God, I pray that the word of God would have free course in people's hearts. 
How important is prayer? It's the only thing according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17 that he ever told the church to do without ceasing. He never said preach without ceasing, and you better thank God for that one. He never said worship without ceasing. He never said sing without ceasing or play the piano without ceasing. He never said teach without ceasing. But when it came to prayer, he said, I want you to do it all day, every day, as often as you can. I want you to pray without ceasing. Yet most of us, we sing sweet hour of prayer and we've rarely ever spent five minutes Most of us, it's a little ditty before we have a meal somewhere. Most of us, it's, it's, you were like that doctor, that man that went to the doctor, and he had some tests done, and his doctor called him in for the results of the test. And the doctor said, he said, well, sir, before I give you these results, uh, he said, can we pray together? And that fellow said, oh, no, has it come to this? And that's how we look at prayer, don't we? Instead of our first instinct, it's oftentimes our last resort. When we don't have anything else to do, then we pray. When we got nobody else to call, then we pray. When we got nobody to talk to, we pray. When the preacher's line is busy, then we pray. When we can't talk to our buddies, we pray. But what if it was the first thing you did and the last thing you did of every day? According to Timothy, he said, I would that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath, and without doubt. He said, everywhere, everywhere we ought to be praying. We used to sing this song, we used to go down to the mission, and boy, I, I, I love going down to the rescue mission in Milwaukee. Boy, it was just something else. You get those men in there, and some of them were drunkards and winos and, and uh, drug addicts, and God had begun to work in their life, and some of them were just off the street, and some of them had been in the program for a while, but I'll never forget it. Get, they get to sing a dirty offering all the time. There was joy in the offering there. That's, that's how you know they were crazy. <laughs> and uh, I heard a preacher say one time, he says, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take money from any old grouch. <laughs> and, man, I'm going to tell you, it, it get good during the offerings at the rescue. They didn't give anything. I guess that's why they were so cheerful. <laughs> but they, some, some brother over in the corner here, he'd go, Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. You just call him up and tell him what you want. And then they get into it. They're like, Jesus is on the main line. All, all these white people with me, Jesus is on the main line. I'm like, just, just stop. Just sing it. Some of you may be old enough to remember what a main line is. And if you don't, those of you that are spiritual and watch Andy Griffin, you know what a main line is. What was that lady's name? Sarah? Was that Sarah who was on the switchboard? I knew you worldly people would know. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Sarah, give me Barney. You know, it always seemed, no matter what time of day it was, Sarah was on the line, wasn't she? And I tell you, doesn't matter what time of day or night, you've got somebody that's always on the line. He's always there. He's always there. He's listening. He's waiting for our prayers. He's waiting for us to do it without ceasing. He's waiting for everywhere for men to lift up and ladies to lift up their hands without wrath and without doubt and pray to him. James tells us to pray for the afflicted and for those that are sick. James tells us the effectual favorite prayer of a righteous man availeth much. First John tells us that if we see a brother sin a sin which is not unto death, pray for him and we can deliver him. And then amazing God said, you want, you want you nation of Israel, you want my help? Here's what he says. If my people, watch this, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and what? And then do what? He said, you better pray. You better seek my face. You know what, my friend? That's two different distinct things. 
Prayer is our request. Yes, we ought to pray. Yes, we ought to seek God. But he said, man, I want you to seek my face. I want you to look at me in the eyes. And I want you to see my expressions. And I want you to see if I'm pleased or not. And I want you to see if, you, if it's what I want you to do. I want you to pray and I want you to seek my faith. And can I tell you, what would it do if America, if churches like yours and churches like mine would begin to fall on our faces again and instead of whining about who the president is and instead of whining about who our senators are and instead of whining, what if we got back on our knees again and begin to pray and to lift up to God and believe that God can do God's stuff? We look back at the children of Israel and we say, I just don't know what God can do for us. God, listen, God sent 10 plagues to get an old Pharaoh who had the, he didn't have, he didn't want God's children to go. And he's like that one, one fellow, one lady when I was preaching one time. I was preaching, I mean, I was preaching and I was sweating like I am tonight. And this woman in the back, she started singing, she, she started shouting with me. And she said, preach on, girl. And I said, what did she just say? And I'd preach on a little bit more. I was preaching for about an hour and she got a little bit louder. She said, preach on, Pharaoh. And I said, who in the world she just called me? I said, my name's Calvin. It ain't Pharaoh. I preached for another 15 minutes, and she got a little bit louder. She said, preach on, Pharaoh. She started distracting people, but they got into it. They didn't care about it. I preached for an hour and a half, preacher. She stood up on her feet. She cupped her hands. And she said, preach on, Pharaoh. We ended the service. I went back in the hallway to talk to the people, and I said, ma'am, I said, you were saying preach on, Pharaoh. What was that about? And she said, well, preacher, she said he wouldn't let God's children go either. Amen. <laughs> Somebody said one time, there's a difference between a long, there's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. <laughs> We're getting close to it tonight. Watch this. You sit there and you read in the book that you claim to believe that God's children cried out to God because of the oppression that was going on in the country of e in the kingdom of Egypt. You sit there and you say you believe that book. And when God's people cried out to God because of the oppression and God began to visit and God raised up some men and God then raised up them to go in front of the Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh didn't want to listen and when Pharaoh was bucking God, God sent 10 plagues. And he after that last one, he finally said, get these children of Israel out of here. And you watched God and you read about God marching those people out of there. And then that same God opened up the Red Sea when Pharaoh changed his mind and said, go get them again. We want to do some business with them. Our kids are dead. Our crops are decimated. Go back and get those children again. And you watched them walk across on dry ground and you read about it and you shouted over it and yet you sit there and pray your little anemic prayers and you sit there and watch about who's in charge of our country. I believe that there is a God in heaven and I don't care. Listen, God sets one king down, puts another one up. Promotion cometh not from the east or the west or the south, but it cometh from above. And watch me, God's in control and God can still do God's stuff. Amen. But we'd rather whine, wouldn't we? We'd rather turn on the nightly news programs and tell us how, how horrible everything is, don't we? But it keeps us from praying. I'm saying tonight, what if God taught us again how to pray? Man, I, I, boy, I wish I could go into some answers to prayer tonight. I'll share you one and we'll get into our points. Give me five minutes and I'm going to take ten. Anyways, but uh, I'll never forget it. We, we had a little prayer room in our church. And that prayer, we had a room, it had a big basement in there, catacombs, and right underneath the pulpit area, we had what we called our Aaron and Her ministry. And there were men that would pray through the whole service down there while the preacher was preaching. And we'd pray all the way up until invitation time. And one time we prayed, and I'm going to tell you, oh, if I, I wish I could tell you everything that God was doing during those days. My soul, we, I was praying down there one time, and I was praying with a buddy of mine. One of the times our, our leader came in there, and he'd, he'd knock on the door when the invitation started. Sometimes he'd come in the door if he knew I was in there, and we were big prayer partners, him and I together. We'd pray all the time, and he walked in there one day. He just began to weep immediately. He said, man, it was so thick in there. Everywhere you go, you just bump into Jesus in that place. I was praying down there one night with one of the, my bus kids at our church, and he was a teenager at the time, and we got to praying. We'd been, been there for about 45 minutes, and all of a sudden, God put a young lady on my heart, and he said, I want you to pray for Barbie. 
and it was like out of nowhere. And I'm like, okay, God put her on my heart. And that wasn't God talking to me in an audible voice, all right? I'm not Benny Hill, uh, him, or Benny Chicken, or Benny Hill either, amen? And uh, I'm not talking about an audible voice. God stopped that in, in, in Revelation, amen? It doesn't, there's no more audible, there's no more open vision. It's closed. But God put her on my heart, and I began to pray for Barbie. I hadn't seen her in six months in church. She was one of our bus kid girls, teen girls. I hadn't seen her in six months in church. And all of a sudden, God began to put her on my heart and said, oh, dear God, you've got to help Barbie. Oh, God, Barbie's got to get right with you. I don't know where she is tonight, God. But, God, could you get a hold of her wherever she is tonight? And I pray that you'd send conviction in her soul. Bring her back to church, dear God. We went on and prayed for something else. They came down there and knocked on that door. We walked out of the church. At our old church, the windows, the doors to come in were on this side of the auditorium on the, where the, with, with the platform. You've been there before. And there was, a, there was a, over on this side, there was a little window in that door. And I went over there, and I was, I was, I was, the invitation was just about to end. And I looked through that window, and I looked all the way in the back corner of that church, and there was Barbie sitting right there. And I'm like, well, that's weird. What a coinky dink. I went over to her after the service. I hugged her neck. I said, Barbie, it is so good to see you. I said, man, how did you get here tonight? Here's what she said, preacher. She said, I don't know what it was. She said, about 20 minutes ago, I was three blocks away at my grandmother's house. And all of a sudden, overwhelming conviction began to tell me. And he said, the Holy Ghost of God began to tell me, get back to church. Get back to church. And she said, I wouldn't leave me alone. And listen to me tonight. I wonder who in your life could be moved by the presence of God if we just started praying again and say, oh, God, save my husband. Oh, God, save my wife. Oh, God, change my kids. Oh, God, draw them back to yourself. If we could just pray. I believe prayer is just as big as God is. And I believe it's as strong as God is strong. Here's our formula. Here's our recipe for prayer. Number one, he said it's going to start with a relationship. According to, watch that verse, he said, after you pray, pray what? Our what? Our Father. Do you understand tonight? Your key to answers to prayer is not who you are. It's not your own righteousness. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that you got because you are a saved child of God. Here's what we say. Oh, I can't pray. I'm not worthy. Who made you? Were you worthy before when you prayed? Were you just that holy before when you prayed? Or maybe before you realized you stood not in your own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You can have answers to prayer because you are a child of God. And that's why he said in a couple verses down, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, do you think you're a better mama than God is? You think you're a better daddy than God is? Listen, my kids, put it this way, I am not obligated to feed your kids. Especially CJ, he eats a lot. I was at Culver's with him, I saw that. When your kids are growing up, listen, I'm not obligated to feed your kids. I'm not obligated to clothe your kids. If your kids went without, if your kids went barefoot, if CPS wouldn't be calling me, they'd be calling you because you are responsible for your kids. Can I tell you tonight, the day you got born again into the family of God, God obligated himself to you in a relationship with him. You know, if you're lost in here tonight, God is not obligated to answer your prayers. He's not obligated to answer one blessed prayer of yours. Here's what Jesus said. Pray like this. Our Father. Do you know that every time Jesus talked to God, he said, Father, except one time. He said, Father, in Gethsemane, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He told him to pray to the Father in, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6, which is the parallel passage to Luke chapter 11. He said, Father, 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 pray you there for the Lord of harvest. But he said, Father, every time he personally talked to God, he said, Father, except for one time. And that was when he was on the cross. And this was fulfillment of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
Verse, I believe it's 19, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The only time that he ever cried out and called him God instead of father is when he took your putrid, nasty, abominable sins unto himself. And for the first time in all of eternity, and for the only time in all of eternity, the father and the son were separated from each other. But guess what, preacher? And a few moments later, he cried out, it is finished. And when it was finished, guess what the next words out of his mouth were? Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. He got an answer again. I'm going to tell you tonight, you cannot come to Jesus Christ. You cannot come to the Father praying in your righteousness. You come because you have a relationship with God. I'm not against you saying anything in prayer, but there is something about you saying our Father that Jesus said is very important in prayer. Matter of fact, he said, we have received the spirit of adoption. I'm, I'm, I, I see the runway insight, preacher. He said, he said, you have received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father. Can I put it in my southern friend's term? That's your daddy. <laughs> I love it. I love some of the, some of the w- words around the world for their father. I love it. Sometimes our people from India will say, Baba or Babu. If you're Filipino, tatai. If you're from different cultures, oma, opa, nana. I love these terms for father, lola, and lolo. I love, I love these familiar terms, papa. I love those terminology. You know why? There's something special about the father. And listen to me tonight. You say, I'm not worthy. Good. That's a good attitude to have. You say, I'm not good enough. Yes, that's a great attitude to have. But you are not worthy because of you. You are worthy because of the relationship with Jesus Christ. Starts with a relationship. Watch this. Then you got to have some reverence. When you go to God in prayer, Hey, it's our Father, hallowed be thy name. Don't come to God, hey, telling telling three stooges jokes, popping your gum. You come before him as you are coming in front of royalty. He is a holy, thrice holy, righteous God, and we better reverence his name. Hallowed be thy name. When was the last time you worshipped him as if he was hallowed? He's holy, he's sanctified. I love it. I was preaching at a camp a couple years ago, and he said, the leader of the camp, before I ever started preaching, he said, you young man, get on this altar over here. You and ladies, get on. And he said this. He said, brag on God to God. When was the last time you bragged on God in prayer? You read the book of Psalms. Half of it's David bragging on God to God. How excellent is thy name. How excellent is thy loving kindness. Thou art a shield and a buckler to me. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God and the mountain of his holiness. But thou, O Lord, are a shield unto me, my glory and the lifter of my head. What is he saying? Oh, you're a holy, hallowed be thy name. Worship God in prayer and reverence him. There's going to have to be some research in prayer. Not telling God. He said this. He said, uh, hallowed be thy name. But then he said this. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There's going to have to be some research in prayer. He said, what's this? Brother Allen, here's what it is. I'm going to talk quick. Here's what it is. You need to ask God what he wants and then listen. Stop telling God what to do for you and ask God and tell. Listen, and God's not. We'll, we'll talk about the request in a minute here. God's not bothered by you asking some specific things, but at the end of the day, you better get to the point where not my will, but thy will be done. Start researching in prayer. God, what do you want? Lord, I want you to guide me. I want your will in my life. Then he said this. He said, you got to take some requests. He said, give us this day our daily bread. You're going to need some things. And God said, I don't have a problem with you asking for daily bread. God, listen. The Bible says, you know, you're gonna get, your son's going to ask you for an for a egg and are you going to give him a stone? God knows what you need. Matter of fact, he says he, has, he, he knows what you need before you even ask. He knows what you have need of. And you can ask. He said, you got to have some requests and watch this. There's going to be some repentance and prayer. He said, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. One passage said, forgive us our trespasses God we need you to cleanse us anew 
If we confess our sins, in other words, I need to agree with God. Confess my sins. He is faithful and he is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad tonight that a God that not only positionally justifies me, but he can practically justify me every day? I'm glad. Aren't you glad his mercies are new each day? I'm glad he can cleanse me anew. It's going to happen in prayer. I like this. There's restoration in prayer. He said, lead us not into temptation, but he said, I want you to do this, God. Can you deliver us from evil? I need you, God, to make it like it used to be. David put it this way. Psalm 51, by the way, is a prayer. He said, deliver me from blood guiltiness. Then he said, create in me a clean heart, oh God. But Alan, I've done so much. Get on your face. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this transgression. Purge me with hyssop that I might be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. You said, quit sitting around pouting about your sin. Quit sitting around whining about your past and get on your face and say, create in me a clean heart, oh God. And then lastly tonight, there's going to be some recognition. Some recognition. In the parallel passage in, in John chapter 6, uh, Matthew chapter 6, excuse me, he said this to cap it all off at the end of his prayer. Here's what he said. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You ought to end your prayer reminding God of who he is. Our father, you started with him and all power. You end with him. I wonder tonight. I'm just going to pray. Well, Brother Allen, I, I, I pray. I, I, I'm not talking about rub-a-dub-dub and thanks for the grub. I said that at my grandma's house one time. She about smacked me in the last week. about prayer if we have ever need of men and women of prayer at a house of prayer it's today I'm, I'm so thankful in my life I had some key men that took me to the side and they didn't just teach me a lecture how to pray they prayed with me and they got a hold of God and I saw it and I said I want some of that I can't figure it all out. I don't know why. I don't know when he's going to show up, but I want some of what they got. And man, I, I've seen God do some things that would, that I'm, I'm talking about. And by the way, that girl Barbie who I prayed for, who showed up to church, she's a Christian school teacher. She sings in the choir at the church. She interprets for the deaf ministry during the services. She works in the addictions ministry of our church. I'd say God answered that prayer a little bit. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Boy, the songwriter said, oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend, when I kneel in prayer with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. We have got to get back to praying. <laughs>